Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Wednesday, May 6th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, joined by Santino Cocone. And if you're not watching on YouTube, you should really tune in because Santino is rocking the black and red as we get ready to preview the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons today. Santino looking smooth over there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yesterday we were on with the Bucks, and I unknowingly put on a red sweatshirt not realizing until we got on the pod that, oh, I'm, I'm repping the colors today. I, I knowingly repped the colors and put on a black and red. So uh, I was prepared for that one. I'm glad you're <laughs> you're leading the charge for us, representing here. I don't really have any good black and red, so I just went with the dark blue. Um, <laughs> but this is a back-to-back day for the Andrew and Santino pairing. And I just happened to notice today on Twitter that there is a comedian named Andrew Santino. Have you heard of him? Yeah, actually, the funniest thing is he's in this show called Dave that uh, me and my girlfriend streamed last week. We we binge-watched it, and I, I looked up the the list on IMBD, and I said, oh, my God, his name's Andrew Santino because I saw it on the end of the credits. And that's pretty funny that you just mentioned that because <laughs> I just found him out a couple days ago. Uh, oh, also, man. that show is hilarious if you've never watched it. I haven't seen it, but I just watched a, a, a stand-up comedy clip of him today because I needed to know if he was – <laughs> he was he was funny and it was good and I guess he also made a cameo on the the office at one point so um, I, I don't remember him there but it's yeah it's just like a one one show thing small small yeah. role but I may have to dig, <laughs> dig that episode up and find him but speaking of names it's also Hanson Day I according to Twitter so we got to celebrate uh, Hanson Day and speaking of family it's my brother-in-law's birthday so happy birthday Chris. Congratulations. Uh, Happy birthday. Yeah. So this is a uh, birthday family day and <laughs> Andrew Santino day, whether you like it or not, we are back as we <laughs> continue our tour around the NFL. Uh, we're doing a virtual tour here, 32 days in a row, one NFL team per day. And we've been cruising through the NFC South this week. We'll have the Saints on tomorrow. Uh, but today we're going to go to the Atlanta Falcons preview. And um, before I forget, we should talk about our crew a little bit. We are part of DFS Coach Talk. We cover the NFL, the MLB, and NBA. And right now, we're actually covering the KBO. We provided lineups last night to our members, and we had our second consecutive winning night, two for two to start the season. So that's one of the perks. If you want to become a member, you can pick up a weekly, monthly, or annual membership right now, and that'll be frozen until one of the American pro sports returns. But in the meantime, we're providing free lineups for KBO and two for two start isn't too shabby, Santino. No, it's pretty good. On I mentioned yesterday, uh, a league we don't really know or nobody really knows, two for two. Uh, Coach and yourself, I, I know you're, you guys are digging in there, getting all the details and finding out all the nooks and crannies of how to win a lineup in the KBO league. And so far, it's so good. Yeah, it's been fun to dig in and just you know evaluate these new players. And one of the things we pride ourselves on DFS Coach Talk is using the eye test and hand building lineups. So we are we're scouting those players as much as we can. Uh, you know, I, I I watched the first night. I taped the telecast for the second uh, second day, and I'm a little bit tired. I must tell you, it's a, it's a <laughs> tough schedule. So I'm trying to uh, to battle through, uh, but. Uh, do come and join a DFS Coach Talk. We'd love to have you. Um, Santino, the virtual tour continues with the Falcons, <laughs> and your your black and red squad went seven and nine last year. 
Um, some a big changes with this squad, not quite like Tampa Bay, but uh, Todd Gurley. I think you've heard of him. He's new in town this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Todd Gurley. Uh, their big offseason acquisition on the offensive side. Uh, Pro Bowl type running back. I know last year didn't have the season that he you'd expect, but the touchdowns are always there with this guy. Even when he was playing through that knee condition, he gets in the end zone and he gets in in the end zone, not or unlike few others. Um, so he's even with that, and if if that scares you off and his price tag's lower, just know that even if he gets you 40 yards, he might get in the end zone. Yeah, 14 touchdowns last year, despite having a basically his career worst year. Mm-hmm. And we'll detail some more of those stats here as we go. But um, some other changes on offense that we'll get to. But let's talk about the the team as a whole last year. Uh, they Dan Quinn and, and Dirk Cutter are coming back to lead the squad and lead the offense. They have a new defensive coordinator in Raheem Morris. And that's probably the real key for these guys. Because on offense, they were successful through the air. They were third in the league in in passing yardage and eighth in touchdowns, relying on the veteran leadership of Matt Ryan. They were not successful on the ground. They were 30th in the league in rushing yardage. Um, On the defensive side, Raheem Morris, um, I want to start with him at, at the top because he's an interesting guy. He's a former head coach. He was the passing game coordinator for the last three years for the Falcons, but he was also calling some plays on the defensive side. So Dan Quinn basically stepped aside, gave Morris the title of defensive coordinator. And we've been talking this week, Santino, about how strong this conference is in terms of offense and these quarterbacks. (laughs) Um, You know, we had Brady yesterday, Drew Drew Brees tomorrow. Obviously Carolina went with Bridgewater and, you know, the, the primary focus for, for Morris is going to be how to stop these quarterbacks in this division. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the weak point of the Falcons last year was their pass defense. They were really good against the run. And they overhauled this defense with uh, their prime acquisition was Dante Fowler, star, star linebacker there. Uh, their first couple picks in the draft, all defense. Um, they A.J. Terrell was their first round pick, cornerback. He's probably going to step into a prominent role right off the bat. I would assume he's going to be their number one corner. Um, they also drafted Michael Walker and <clears throat> Marlon Davidson. I would assume Mar- Marlon Davidson's going to uh, rotate in behind their star defensive tackle there, Grady Jarrett. But Michael Walker might win the job on the outside uh, from day one as well. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's going to be about pass, pass defense. Uh, last year, they were 22nd in the league in passing yards against which isn't great, but they were middle of the pack in all the other stuff, like 20-plus yard pass plays, they were 10th, 40-plus uh, yard pass plays, they were 12th. So not not terrible, but sacks, um, that's where Dante Fowler and everybody, Grady Jarrett, and the revamped defense is going to hopefully come in play, but they were almost last in the league in sacks with 28. The only team worse than them was the Miami Dolphins. Um, but besides that, they were, they were a pretty good team in terms of getting – takeaways they had 12 interceptions which was 17th uh they were top 10 in the league in forced fumbles with 17 but unfortunately they only recovered eight of them under 50 percent which would rank them 21st i would expect a little bit more luck in that department um at least 60 percent jump them up there but uh 
as far as a fantasy and uh, DFS defense, they had four defensive special teams touchdowns, which was tied for fifth. Uh, there was only a couple teams. They they were tied with a couple teams there. Um, they had they were a very good tackling team. If you look, they were almost la- they were second to last in solo tackles, um, which says oh maybe they're not great, but they were second overall in assisted tackles, which. Uh, any good defense, you want to have people swarming together and have gang tackles, and um, so you don't let those broken tackles go through. So that's a, a good sign for a defense. Uh, pass defended, you know, they were 27th. I think they'll take a step forward with all these additions, uh, but we're again, we're going to have to highlight that secondary. Can AJ Terrell and a returning Keanu <clears throat> Neal will they provide the the upgrade that they didn't have last year, or can this team? still be attacked through the air, especially as you mentioned. There's going to be a Brady in there now. There's going to be a Bridgewater, uh, and there's always that Drew Brees in this conference (laughs) that they're going to have to play two times a year each. So that's the big thing. If they can stop the pass, this might be a defense we can target some games on DFS. If they can't, um, I mean, the other way around. If they they can stop the pass, we we won't target them. But if they can't, very targetable. Yeah, great breakdown there. A lot of interesting nuggets. You know, the the primary takeaway for me is it sounds like they need to make big plays, more big plays, you scoop up those fumbles, get to the quarterback, get some pressure on the quarterback. And you mentioned Fowler Jr. coming over. They signed him. He had 11 and a half sacks last year. So that's huge. Uh, they, they, they went heavy on defense in the draft. You know, this is like a it's been an arms race in this division <laughs> on defense to try to bulk up and and deal with these quarterbacks, we, we, you know, much has been made about the Panthers taking all defensive players in the 2020 draft. And Atlanta, sort of under the radar, all they took on offense was a, a lineman and they drafted a punter, but no skilled position players on offense. So they really went heavy on the defensive side uh, to try to shore that that group up. Um, and we talked yesterday about Tampa and their strong running defense. Atlanta just doesn't have a strength on defense. And Coach Quinn is known as a defensive guy coming over from Seattle. And I think he's really feeling the pressure here. He and Thomas Dimitrov, the GM, uh, they just haven't gotten it done recently with these absolute star offensive players, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into them here in a bit, but they need to start producing and winning. And, the, the one thing I'll say about 2019 as a whole is I'm impressed because they started off one and seven. Then they had a bye week and somehow they pulled together to finish six and two down the stretch. And they won their last four without um, with a lot of injuries as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive finish. So maybe they're building something, you know, maybe they can hopefully they can build on that finish uh, and with, you know, Morris taking over the defense uh, and these changes that you mentioned with the, the transactions and the transition of these young players from the draft. Hopefully their defense can step up and potentially be a strength yeah. on the offensive side. Uh, you know, again, uh, very impressive through the air. Uh, they were fifth in overall yardage because of that uh, almost 5000 yards through the air. Uh, but again, major problem on, on uh, the rushing attack. And uh, we'll get into that big swap here in a minute. But let's start off with uh, the quarterback, as we usually do. Uh, 
Matt <laughs> Ryan, entering his 13th year, uh, led the league in completions last year with 408, and he only played 15 games. So they threw it often, uh, and he completed a bunch of his passes. What are you expecting from him in 2020? Uh, so Matt Ryan is an interesting guy. Uh, you mentioned he led the league in completions. He also led the league in attempts or um, in um, attempts per game, uh, and he had a 66.2% completion rating. Uh, he had almost 300 yards passing per game last year. But uh, the interesting thing that I, I found out with Matt Ryan is, if you look at his career, his even year num even year number years that he plays, those are his best years. Uh, weirdly, since 2010, every even year except for 2018, he's made a Pro Bowl. Um, not every odd year he hasn't, but every even year he's made the Pro Bowl. And the 2018 year that he didn't make the Pro Bowl. He had 4,924 yards, 35 touchdowns, and seven interceptions with a 108.1 uh, quarterback rating. So I don't know how he didn't make it. But um, it's pretty much – this is 2020. This is an even year. So uh, if we're going by the history of this guy, I think a bounce back's inevitable. He had 26 touchdowns last year, 14 interceptions, uh, a 92.1 QB rating, which – isn't great. Uh, he's he averages about 26 touchdowns a year. But again, if you look at his his fantasy production and uh, overall production on those even years, he would the last two uh, 2018 he was the number two quarterback overall. 2016 he was the number two quarterback overall and he was the MVP. Um, I think he could easily approach that 30 touchdown mark again. We'll see what happens. I don't know if we'll get those same amount of attempts if this uh, the defense improves and they're not in shootouts and they're not playing from behind so much. But I mean, he's you you know what you're going to get from him on a on a game to game basis, especially in the right matchup. He's he's definitely a guy that you're gonna you're gonna target all the time. Um, he's finished six out of the last ten years. He's finished in the top ten, and as as I mentioned, they're mainly all on the even years. So if I'm going to attack him and, and draft him or um, and, and play him in DFS, it's going to be those even years because for some reason he just – every other year he goes from uh, top 15 to top three. I love that. I love the uh, <laughs> the even year focus. It reminds me of – was it the San Francisco Giants in MLB who would only win their World Series in the odd years? <laughs> I think that's what it was, yeah. They kept uh, – it, it's, it's just a weird phenomenon – how that something like that happens but when it happens uh, this is going back to 2010 when it happens like that it's just very weird it five five times he's a pro bowler um it only in even years that's just uh one time it it's okay two times maybe something but four or five times that's that's a trend to me it is and you know there's something to that psychologically you have a bit of a down year you work a little bit harder your focus comes comes in a little bit sharper so uh that'll be fun to see if he if he repeats that trend um he ended up with nine of his 15 games last year with at least two touchdown passes so uh, another one of those guys where you, you can really target him in certain weeks um had eight of his games over 20 fantasy points so pretty solid but mm -hmm. certainly would like to see a little bit better production cut down on the turnovers you know he didn't have quite have that two-to-one ratio in, in terms of touchdowns. If if he ever goes down, 
Uh, I do want to mention Matt Shaw briefly because I had sort of forgotten that he got a start last year against Seattle, and he went 39 of 52 for 406, 460 yards, one touchdown and one pick for a 38-year-old. Pretty impressive. So um, just keep that in the back of your mind in case something yeah. happens with Ryan in this even year. We don't expect it. We expect him out there, but just in case. Yeah. And he and Matt Schwab will be pennies on the dollar. And when you're throwing to uh, the best wide receiver in the game and then a really, really good number two, I mean, for, nothing, for pennies on the dollar, you, you can't you can't go wrong with that one. Yeah, he was 4.7K that week on DraftKings, and he brought back 25.4 fantasy points. So he really stepped up to the challenge. Now, uh, we referenced it a little bit. Big uh, The big change in the backfield. So Devontae Freeman, uh, the longtime starter there, they released him back in March, and they took on $6 million in, in dead cap money to do it. Uh, 28-year-old. He only averaged 3.6 yards per carry last year, ended up with just over 1,000 scrimmage yards. And he just uh, sort of he just sort of had that downward trend, and they said, enough is enough, let's get younger. And so they bring in Todd Gurley, which the other thing that surprised me is it seems like he's been a star for so long, but yet he's only 25 years old. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you you already referenced the the knee problem, um, but but what do you think about this basically this trade for you know releasing Freeman and signing Gurley? I mean, Freeman had his two best years, the only years he had over a thousand yards rushing when Kyle Shanahan was there as the offensive coordinator. Uh, take out those two years, and he's just been a disappointment, honestly. Uh, I know in 2018 he got hurt. He in his second game in, but last year he was playing her as well. But when he was in there, he was just bad, downright bad. Uh, 656 yards on 184 total carries for 3.6 yards per attempt. I know this line, uh, we can get to it. The line wasn't doing him any favors besides uh, Jake Matthews and Alex Mack. Uh, their big signing last year, James Carpenter, was bad before he got hurt. He was He was flat out bad. Uh, they drafted two guys on the right side. Uh, Lindstrom was hurt most of the year, but when he was in there, he was effective. And Caleb McRae was graded 34th out of 38 qualifying right tackles, so he was flat out bad as well. Uh, but Freeman hasn't been good since um, uh, Shanahan left. But now you're replacing him with a guy who's a pro bowler. Uh, we mentioned it. Todd Gurley is one of the be- most talented running backs in the league. Uh, hands down last year he was we mentioned it earlier he was dealing with those knee problems and those might not go away Uh, that's something that he'll probably have to play with the rest of his career but even a 80 percent Todd Gurley is going to bring you back better numbers than a 100 percent Devontae Freeman Um, he he had 857 carries last year Uh, his second worst yards per carry in in his career at 3.8 but he still had 14 touchdowns I mean, the the worst that he brought you back was 14 touchdowns and over a thousand yards from scrimmage. That's not that's not a bad guy to invest for. And I'm assuming that his price is going to be uh, not at the elite level that it was prior to last year, because you know you're getting that injury concern. Now he has a new offense, uh, worse offensive line. But Todd Gurley, if he comes back and looks a little bit like he was before that, he's shaking off those knee injuries. 
um, this is a guy who's going to be really good for you. And if you look, he was the 14th back in PPR last year. Uh, I know that's what DraftKings uses. So 14th overall, not bad at all. And uh, he was also the 14th in FanDuel in half PPR. Um, and then he was 13th <clears throat> the year before that, or he was 13th in points per game and uh, 16th in points per game uh, the year before that. So, I mean, not the year before that. I forgot what I was saying there. But uh, that's still a pretty good back for a, a cheaper price than if you're not paying up for the, the studs right there. Yeah, in terms of the the price that the Falcons paid, they just signed him for one year at $6 million. So pretty low risk for him. But I, I do think they're going to feed him the rock and and give him a bunch of touches. And, uh, you know, hey, they only had him signed for one year. It's not like yeah. it's not like they just it's not like McCaffrey in Carolina where they need to think about him long term. And you mentioned the thousand scrimmage yards. And this is a this is a number that I thought was pretty funny. So last year, Freeman's total scrimmage yards, 1,066, and Gurley, 1,064. <laughs> but the way that they got there was a lot different. You mentioned Gurley's ranking in PPR, and that's in large part because of those touchdowns. And, and the 14 touchdowns, he knows how to get in the end zone. Sean McVay, you know, famously basically kicking himself for not using Gurley more last year. You know, even though he was down in terms of his yards per carry, you know, he only had 254 touches. And I think I think the Falcons will, will give him the ball a lot more often this year. It was his career low in carries last year, career low in rushing yards. And even through the air, uh, Gurley had his lowest numbers in four years in terms of receptions and yardage. So just down across the board in terms of touches and production – and certainly due in part to injury, but also because of the game, the the game calling. And I, I think he'll I think he'll get the ball more. And also, you mentioned his price tag on DraftKings. It was down a little bit last year in that six to seven K range. And if he's in that range again, I'll certainly target him early in the season. Yeah, I mean, last year is pretty much his floor. Uh, he can only improve from that, and that's double digit touchdowns and a thousand yards. And when you look at this, like you mentioned, they only signed him to a one year deal. It's a one-year prove-it deal for himself as well, because if he comes out firing like uh, a 90% Todd Gurley that we saw when he won the Offensive Player of the Year two years ago, or even last or 2018, he's going to work himself into a pretty decent long-term contract, and that's what he's hoping for. And it's no risk to the Falcons to give him all these carries because they don't have him for the long haul. Uh, they're just trying to win now. And if you look at the rest of the roster or running back room, we'll get to it. Ito Smith, Brian Hill, um, those are the next two guys up. There's no third down back here. Uh, nobody who you can put in there and say, okay, we'll rest Gurley on third downs because this guy's a pass-catching specialist. Gurley is that pass-catching specialist. Um, so he's if he's up for it, he's going to have a three-down feature role here. And your floor is what you got last year. And it's just I don't expect that again because he is this talented. The only thing that's going to stop him is that knee concern. But for a cheap price playing on, on uh, Daily Fantasy – I'll take it. I can just imagine the conversation between Thomas Dimitrov and Gurley. Todd, are <laughs> you uh, are you up for being our three down back? Uh, so yeah, I'm going to be out there for all all three <laughs> downs. Yes, please sign me up. Yeah, I want to earn a, a much bigger contract. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, exactly. and then and then they chuckle about the other guys in the running back room that you just mentioned because <laughs> and they have the little inside joke that we we know that none of these guys are we don't want these guys to take touches from you. Um, 
But if they if they have to, Santino, talk to me about Ito Smith and Brian Hill. Yeah, if something happens to Gurley in the event that he has to miss games, if he's playing, he's that guy. He's going to be the featured guy. But if, in the event that he's not, uh, I think Ito Smith takes that 1A role and Brian Hill falls in line with the 1B role. Uh, we saw it last year when Freeman initially went down. Ito Smith was the guy who jumped up first, and then he had a concussion slash neck injury, and he went on IR. But um, he's not bad. Uh, he's a he's a decent fill-in. Nothing that jumps off the page to you, but nothing that's going to uh, scare you away in terms of his, his DFS value. I mean, he's going to be walking into uh, – anytime a three-down back goes down, you're walking into a pretty good uh, amount of – touches and and snaps in your in your favor and he's not going to cost you a pretty penny it's just going to be very cheap but uh he'll probably split carries with the dreaded rbbc with brian hill who also not not too bad himself he didn't have the greatest fill-in year last year um but he would step in and see maybe five to ten carries a game i wouldn't actively target any of either of them until one of them separates from the pack and then while their price is still cheaply down there then you can get a possible three down back guy who could potentially see 15 to 20 touches a game for 3000 to 4000 4k on on either DraftKings or FanDuel. Yeah, n- nice breakdown there. Just nothing that's that's very exciting. Um Brian Hill did end up getting more touches down the stretch with Ido Smith out of the picture. He ended up getting the 78 carries, 4.1 yards per carry. Um the most yardage he got in any game, though, was only 66 yards. And the most carries he got, he did have one week with 20 carries, but he only got 61 yards. So, you know, just number after number of why we're not excited about <laughs> any of these guys. Yeah. Um, but getting those 20 carries, if you give that to Gurley, there's a very, very good chance that he's, even if the yardage isn't there, he's going to fall into the end zone because he's been doing that throughout his career. Yes, he has. All right, well, let's turn to the uh, the more exciting wide receiver <laughs> core that's got a little bit more depth to it. Uh, and we don't we I mean we don't need to really talk about depth if we can start out talking about Julio Jones. Man, Who? this guy is <laughs> yeah, this guy is a stud. Let's celebrate Julio Jones here on Atlanta Absolute Falcons Day. Absolute stud. Yeah, uh, Julio Jones. It's funny. He's the guy that is consistently in the upper echelon of wide receivers. But through the, throughout his career, you're always saying, oh, this so-and-so is the best wide receiver. When he first started, it was Calvin Johnson's the best wide receiver in the game. Then it went to Antonio Brown. And then it went to DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Michael Thomas, et cetera. Et cetera. O- Odell Beckham Jr. was in there. You never, You always said Julio Jones was among them, but we never said he was them. But if you look at this guy's numbers throughout his career uh, – it's very hard to say that he isn't. And if a quick breakdown of look at his yards per, per game average. Um, rookie year in 2011, he was 11th. Second year, he was 12th in yards per game. 2013, he only played five games. But if you extrapolate that through a whole season, this is where this insane run starts to happen for the next seven years. Uh, he was second, 14 second yards per game. 2015 first, 2016 first, 2017 third, 2018 first, 2019 third. It's nobody in in his in his career. Only two other people can even say they had a back-to-back yards per game in the top three. 
That's Antonio Brown in 15 and 14. Uh, he had it. He did it back to back. That was it. And Calvin Johnson did it 2013 to 2011. This guy was in the top three in yards per game. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight years and counting. I expect that to continue again this year. He's just, you know what you're getting with him. And you have a quarterback in Matt Ryan that you don't have to worry about. Can he get him the ball? Because he's going to get the targets. He racks up the yards. The only, only negative to this guy's game, and you can talk about this a little more, is the touchdowns. Uh, They're just not there for, and not what you expect for an elite wide receiver. He's only had double digit touchdowns once in his career. But take out that and the yards per game, his floor is just elite. Oh man, elite is a is a great word for him. But I don't know what the word would be for his touch, <laughs> touchdown product, pr- production. How about embarrassing, unacceptable? <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you hit on it right there. One year out of all those years when he's dominating the league in terms of yardage, only one year with ten touchdowns. That just does yeah. not add up. And again, six last year, and he went 10 weeks without a touchdown. He started out strong, and then he went 10 weeks, and in, one of those was a bye week, but I'm going to count it because you just can't let Julio <laughs> Jones go 10 weeks without a touchdown. I think if he doesn't get double-digit touchdowns, in fact, well over double-digit touchdowns, I think we need to fire Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter immediately. Yeah, it's just weird. Um like I mentioned, all those yards last year, he had 1,394 yards that he hasn't had less than 1,400 yards since the season that he only played five games in, in 2013. Like it's unbelievable how much yards this guy racks up on a game to game basis. And it's just unfathomable that not only has this not, it's almost unprecedented to be in the top three in it's for seven years and counting, but it's also on, almost unprecedented to for a guy of this caliber to average under um, six yards or six touchdowns a year or six and a a little over six, which I don't, it's very hard to explain how he doesn't get in the end zone. It's kind of like, you know how um, Chris, Chris Carter used to, they used to scream, all he does is score touchdowns. Right. Well, Julio does everything else, but score the touchdowns. And uh, for DFS, we need you get to get in the end zone. But if he doesn't, I mean, he has this, one of the safest floors out there. Yeah, he really does. And I, I, I just don't have faith that he that they'll get it done in terms of touchdowns. I mean, the guy's he's big bodied, 6'3", 220. He can go up and, and leap. I mean, he's the perfect specimen for yeah. a stud wide receiver. There's absolutely no reason he shouldn't get more touchdowns. Um, and so I'll, I'll continue to target him often in good good matchups because of that amazing floor with the catches and yardage. And he did miss one game last year, but he finished with 99 catches. So I expect him to go over over 100 catches and, and uh, put up big numbers again. Now, one small reason why he, you know, he didn't get quite as many touchdowns is Calvin Ridley uh, stepped up in his second year. He caught 63 balls for over 800 yards and scored seven touchdowns. Uh, how do you see his progression here as we head into his third year? Um, I think I think he's a really good wide receiver, one of the better number two wide receivers. Uh, he could be a number one wide receiver for many teams out there, but you're not going to supplant a Julio Jones. Uh, he has 17 touchdowns in his last in his first two years in the season in the league. Uh, 
pretty much the same receptions each year, 64 and 63. His first year, he only had three games above 70% snap rate, and he still scored 10 touchdowns with 821 yards. Uh, last year, he scored in seven of 16 games, which uh, is better than Julio. But last year, he had uh, 866 yards, seven touchdowns, um, six games over 80% snap rate, so his playing time increased in his sophomore year four games under 70% snap rate. So it's still uh, very weird how he does that. But he scored seven times in 13 games. He has, He's the guy who scores a lot more touchdowns uh, than Julio. I just don't know what it is. Maybe it's a double coverage, especially when you get close to the red zone. Um, but he has a lot more touchdown upside, and he, has, he can get 1,000 yards. He was on pace for it last year before he got hurt. Very good guy to target at a cheaper price. Um, if you look in fantasy... Over the year, he was 17th in points per game uh, for half-point PPR last year. He averaged 12.7 FanDuel points. Uh, and for DraftKings, he averaged 15.2, and he was 19th, so top 20. And uh, when you have, again, when you have Matt Ryan throwing to you, you know there's no issues at quarterback. When you have a physical specimen, as you put it there, uh, on Julio Jones, who does nothing wrong on the opposite side, you know that you're going to get single coverage. And... Uh, this guy is very good, and he if you've single coverage him, he show, he's shown that he can beat you, especially on deep plays and big plays. Yeah, that's a great point in terms of the extra attention on Julio, and, and Ridley's really taken advantage of it, and he already feels more reliable in terms of, of getting into the end zone. You just... You know, it's it's actually surprising and noteworthy when Julio Jones scores a, t- scores a touchdown. It's like, wow, they finally got him the ball in the red zone, but Ridley is really developing a reputation of a guy who will find pay dirt and, as you mentioned, on pace for 1,000 yards without missing those those last three games. So uh, I'm really excited about his future. Now, not as much star power as we continue through the wide receiver core. Next, we've got Russell Gage. Yeah, I, I like Russell Gage. Uh, I was a sixth-round pick in 2018 out of LSU. Very, very small and fast guy. Uh, I remember yesterday I said Mike Evans is 6'5", 240. You wouldn't expect him to beat people down the field the way he does. This guy you would expect to beat people down the field. He's about six six foot, 184 pounds, so a, a very speedy guy. Again, you're playing he, – he's going to play the slot with Julio on one side, Calvin Ridley on the other. Uh, and no more Austin Hooper, who we'll get to when we get to the tight end rankings, but that's a lot of targets and production that isn't there over the middle of the field that this guy could fall into because Julio is going to get his. I mean, he's going to get his regardless. Calvin John or Calvin Ridley is going to get his. But uh, Russell Gage is a very quick guy. I think he he should um, push for six to seven hundred yards here. I mean, Matt Ryan's going to throw for four thousand yards. He's done it for the last six seven years. So they're going to come somewhere. And Russell Gage is easily after Julio and Ridley the the next man up here. Um, besides what Gurley's going to get you as a as a better pass catching back, and I, I kind of like this guy. He's going to be very cheap in FanDuel and DraftKings. He could get you four or five catches a game um, and 40 yard 40 to 70 yards as a pretty baseline. But again, with that with Julio not scoring as many touchdowns and Matt Ryan should approach 30 again, they're going to have to come somewhere. And without an Austin Hooper and that major production. Russell Gage might might creep up to six, seven touchdowns this year. Yeah, that'll be fun to see is how much he can increase his production without Hooper. And 
last year we got a little a little taste of it because his production really ramped up after they traded Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots, and mm-hmm. he started getting more snaps and more targets. In fact, in five of the last nine weeks last year, he scored in double digits in fantasy points on DraftKings. So uh, a guy in that all season, he was in the three to five K range. So uh, you really could get some, some value if he got in the end zone. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be great to see how he steps up with, with Sanu gone uh, and that confidence from how he finished down the stretch. Now, the other guy we want to mention here is somebody who does not have much confidence. <laughs> I don't know how he would have confidence at this point in his career, and that's Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, uh, former first-round pick by the, the Vikings. Um, I, I feel that if when, we, when we're saying Laquan Treadwell might have something in the tank, it's a big if. But a lot of times we have seen people who were busts, and he was a bust of the busts as a first-round pick for the Vikings. He didn't do we're anything. Not, we're not talking about a Hall of Fame bust. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about a guy who hasn't done anything throughout his first four years in the league. But now he's getting a new lease on life. He's seeing a new town, playing in a new new system. Um, maybe something clicks. Maybe it refreshes. We've seen this happen before where people who had the talent coming out of college in, in multiple different sports uh, – just didn't click with that first team and then the second team. Something clicks. I'm not going to – he's not going to turn into a pro bowler anytime soon. He's not going to supplant uh, Calvin Ridley for the number two role. But maybe he gets you four to 500 yards here and there. Maybe if someone gets hurt, he steps into a bigger role as a very cheap uh, DFS tar- long shot target. But he has Matt Ryan throwing to him now. Uh, he has everything in place to maybe see the potential that he once had. And if not, I mean – He's not going to cost you anything if he if he doesn't if he looks terrible in the league you're you're going to leave him over in the first couple of weeks, but if something clicks for him he still has blazing speed that he can beat people down the field, and um, potential to possibly break break a couple big plays out there. Yeah, this is really go time for him. Uh, just trending in the wrong direction in Minnesota, and they certainly weren't a pass heavy offense last year, but you know his snap rate went down to 17 percent. Uh, nine catches f- for a former first rounder. It's just, again, <laughs> unacceptable. Yeah. And so he really needs to turn it around. And, uh, you know, maybe the change of scenery and, and hooking up with Matt Ryan will be what he needs. Now, the other big change here, uh, we've talked about the big running back who's left town, the receiver who was traded. And now for the tight ends, it's Austin Hooper. And, Man, what uh, what a reliable target for Matt Ryan, a guy who had 75 catches last year, almost 800 yards, got six touchdowns. He just uh, quickly rose to the top of the rankings for tight end performance. But he's he's gone now, and they've they've got Hayden Hurst. Uh, they basically took the second round pick from the Patriots in the Sanu trade. Traded it to Baltimore, which really is tight endville, and so they got they plucked one of the multitude of tight ends out of Baltimore, and it's Hayden Hurst. So how do you how do you see this shaking out? Yeah, um, like we mentioned, we touched on it. Hooper had 97 targets in 13 games last year. Uh, they lost. That's a lot of production. That's 
going to have to be replaced by someone or, or multiple people, most likely. And then Sanu, you touched on it. He got traded midway through the season. Also, production that you're going to have to replace and find somewhere. But uh, Hayden Hurst is definitely going to get the first crack at it. Uh, he was a first-round pick in 2018 out of South Carolina, the first tight end off the board ahead of fellow teammate Mark Andrews, etc. Um, he was productive in college, not on anything that uh, – productive for a tight end in college. Um, he had 12.8 yards per, per catch and 1,180 yards um, his sophomore and junior year. I think – I mean, someone's going to have to step up. Matt Ryan likes his tight ends, so I, I don't see anything terrible from him. He's only 27 years old. Uh, third, this will be his third year in the league. He's going to get a prominent role out there, and uh, that's a lot of production to replace. He hasn't shown anything right now that he's going to burst in and be like that guy. But um, I would be if I didn't pay up for a big tight end and in the right matchup where teams can't face tight ends like uh, Arizona Cardinals who couldn't guard the tight end for their life last year. He's a guy I'll definitely look at as a cheap option. I mean the tight end position in football is a crapshoot after the first five six especially on a week-to-week basis um so you just got to find the right matchup for for them in particular and target it like that yeah i'll definitely invest in hayden hurst um he's shown real success when given the opportunity his catch rate is almost 77 percent and the thing is you know playing with mark andrews and all those other tight ends he only had two games last year with five targets or more, and he ended up with two games in do- double digits in terms of fantasy scoring. And I, I do think he can take the step. You know, solid speed, four six seven forty, big strong guy. Uh, got in the end zone twice last year, and I will target him early in the season because if he can develop any sort of chemistry with Matt Ryan, like Cooper had, uh, as you stated. You know, Ryan's more than happy to check it down to the tight end, uh, especially with all that attention on Julio. And you've got to figure there's going to be as much, if not more, attention paid to Calvin Ridley in year three. Hurst has a real opportunity here uh, early in the season to uh, really provide value before his price increases. Yeah, when you're playing with star guys on the outside, uh, you're chances to get open and, and see balls from a quarterback who's like you mentioned Brady doesn't discriminate uh, just opens up right there and if he can separate and get some separation he's going to have a pretty good season other tight end worth mentioning is Jaden Graham only got 10 targets last year but he caught nine of them for 149 yards at 16.6 per reception and he had a game against New Orleans where he went four catches for 41 and a touchdown so uh, again, just a, a name to remember in case Hurst goes down. So, Santino, um, let's wrap up on the defense and the draft. Uh, you've you've touched on it a little bit uh, with a couple of the early draft picks. But, again, they didn't draft any uh, position – skill players on offense. They went heavy in the draft again on defense. Yeah. and. Good for them because they don't need the skill positions. They already have them covered. Uh, and then and they replaced one with Todd Gurley. But, yeah, their first-round pick, A.J. Terrell, cornerback out of Clemson, really good in college. He should step right into that number one cornerback role, uh, something that they struggled with last year. But he should provide some stable stabilization, uh, stabilization, whatever the word is, <laughs> to that to that uh, the, deep that, back room. The Falcons have been trying to figure that out themselves. How do, <laughs> how do we get some stability on defense here? 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's why I'm I'm wearing the colors. I can't say it either. We both don't know what that is right now. <laughs> but um, their second round pick, Marlon Marlon Davidson, uh, D tackle out of Auburn. He he's gonna have a pretty decent role, but their their star player on defense is Grady Jarrett, who plays the same position as him, uh, right in that middle D tackle. So I think he's going to uh, alternate with him there. Maybe he'll spell Tyler Davidson, the other Davidson, a little bit. But that guy's really good as well, both against the pass and the run. Um, then they, round three, they drafted a center. But Alex Mack was probably their best tackle last year, uh, five-time pro bowler, or best lineman last year, five-time pro bowler. Round four, they drafted Michael Walker, linebacker out of Fresno State. Uh, he has a chance to start on the outside. Uh, he Right now, they have him slotted in behind Deion Jones, another one of their better players. But I think he could start over um, a guy that they traded for, Charles Harris. And then n- another round four, they drafted a safety out of Cal. And round seven, they drafted a punter. So like you mentioned, they went heavy on defense. They know that their offense is pretty much there. Um, their offensive line struggled, yes, but two guys that they drafted in the first round last year were part of those struggles. And they need to fix this defense if they want to compete in a division with Drew Brees and now Tom Brady. Absolutely. You mentioned you mentioned Drew Brees, and that's who we're going to cover today. Um, but we'll give you the day off. Uh, we'll have Shane come in and, and take over for the Saints. <laughs> um, in the meantime, where can everybody find you on Twitter, Santino? You can find me at Santino Cocone. That's at S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. You can find the entire crew at DFS Coach Talk. Um, Coach likes us to mention his favorite charity, which is MambaOn3.org. That is Joe Sarvati, the leader of this bunch. Um, And as I mentioned, we are going to wrap up the NFC South coverage tomorrow with the Saints. Uh, so we'll see what what Shane brings to the table in terms of his wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Santino, any final thoughts on this Falcons Wednesday? I like it, Falcons Wednesday. That kind of it's not the same letters, but it, it rolls off the tongue. Falcon Wednesday. <laughs> um, no, I think one thing that would be funny is if Julio had that year where he scored a ton of touchdowns. Get what when Todd Gurley arrives, who is known for just getting in the end zone. It would be pretty ironic, um, but I'd like to see that. That would be that'd be that'd be fun <laughs> to see. It's a lot of stars in that in that building, uh, yep. and they they need to you know pull it together and, and get some W's, uh, but it, it's not going to be easy. But certainly fun to watch, uh, and I had fun with you again, Santino. Thank you so much for uh, taking us to the next level here on Falcons Wednesday. <laughs> uh, so on behalf of Santino Cocon, I am Andrew Hansen. Thank you so much for tuning in and please check back in again tomorrow when Shane and I cover the Saints here on DFS Coach Talk.